Teach me to dance, will you? Dance? Did you say dance? Jedu takhle tábořit, škodou stona oravu. Greece? No. Is it the French Riviera? No. Is it Turkey? What is Ukraine now? Ukraine is a frontier where new things are happening. Jožin zbážin, už si zuby brousí. Jožin zbážin, kouše sa jerdousí. Few Americans know little if anything about Yugoslavia. One reason is because not many people know where to find it. Is it Turkey, Switzerland, Rome? Calling is back. After nearly a year, it is time to revive the show that you all forgot you loved. And in the first episode of this new cycle, I think we have something truly special and fitting of a fresh start. As a journalist covering the Western Balkans, I often think whether what me and other colleagues do is enough. Surely we can do everything in our power to present accurate, fair and objective information to the public. But what I've noticed is sometimes lacking, mostly due to the nature of the beast and the relentless news cycle and the times we live in, is an opportunity to go beyond the daily news and the occasional feature story and really use the space and time a podcast grants. That's the idea behind Calling Explains Regional Leaders. First, to help bridge the language barrier in the region itself, where native Bosnian, Croatian, Montenegrin, Serbian speakers and Albanian speakers don't have access to the media landscape of one another. This often translates to an apparent lack of knowledge, not only of the local nitty-gritty, but also of a discrepancy in the image the leaders in the Western Balkans tend to nurture domestically versus the one they project while abroad. But also, this limited series is intended for a wider audience that is curious about what goes on in the Western Balkans, but doesn't necessarily have too much time on their hands to do a deeper dive into the background, which can also sometimes be too intimidating and too broad in scope. Now that you know what we're up to, dear listeners, let's get right down to it, shall we? Lažne stručnjake i sve moguće strance koji su dolazili u ovu zemlju da mi sole pamet. Milo, lopove! Doću ka si to! Bravo, kreteni! You are a mess, guys. You are a big mess and you are a disgrace. Teško da će iko naći nešto što je dostojno da će mene definirati da nisam Hrvat. Od vremena to pamtim za sebe. Mlade ljude koji odlaze će morati u velikoj meri nadoknati high-tech tehnologijama i robotikom. Šta ti radiš? Ne, to nema nešto. Jesi ti mene učio da kad pjevaš god ne misliš? Nemaš vremena, mi zbog. Protest will not stop until we achieve our main demand. Obesio bih se ovaj najveći lustar ovdje. 
Samo zato što sam ih bilo šta slušao. Who better to start the new series off with than the Albanian Prime Minister, Edi Rama? Charming and colorful, sometimes literally direct yet eloquent, Rama has captured the imagination of those less in the know by telling Brussels like it is and wearing sneakers while doing it. In the eyes of those with a soft spot for the talented artist, towering basketball player and expert at showboating, Rama is perhaps the most charismatic of the Western Balkan leaders. Yet some in Albania would disagree. Domestically, Rama has been accused of everything from corruption to nepotism and is said to have an abrasive public personality to boot. From his time as the mayor of Tirana to his third stint as the most powerful official in the country, we will be taking a closer look at how Rama came to politics, what his ambitions are, and whether he intends to rule Albania and possibly the region for good. And here with me today, I have Jerzy Vurmo, a senior researcher at IDM in Tirana. Hi, Jerzy. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being on the show. Always. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So, I called you so we can talk a little bit about the Prime Minister of Albania, Edi Rama. I think you're the perfect person for that, although maybe he would disagree. How about we start at the very beginning and talk a little bit about how he first started out? What kind of a background did he come from and how did he find his way into Albanian politics? And most importantly, what was the Albanian political scene like at the time when he first appeared as we know him? Mm. Well, the last question is, is very interesting because um, the political scene at that time was more or less um, characterized by, by similar features um, as now and as the, the whole transition, you know, confrontational politics and, and so on and so forth. Um, but um, Rama has been active into the, the, the political scene and political developments um, during the early days of the, of the um, uh, fall of the regime, uh, the students' protests uh, and, and other protests, I think, um, during the founding of the Democratic Party, the first opposition party um, of post-communist um, Albania, even he himself describes these um, this, um, events in his book, I think. Um, but then, um, as an artist, um, he's a painter, you know, um, he, he left the country and um, returned in probably some of the most difficult years of, of Albania, 96 and then 97, 98. Uh, there were um, many protests um, by the then opposition, the socialist opposition, because the country was governed by ruling Democrats, um, which turned um, with a lot of police violence. Uh, so he was one of the victims in, in that against violence. Um, but then in 90, if um, I'm correct. I think it was around 97 or 98 that he got the post of the Minister of Culture. Um, 
and then uh, immediately after, um, with the socialist backing, he ran for um, the position of mayor of Tirana. From the very day, early days when he w- was in power, be it as a minister of culture, but also as mayor of Tirana, um, his character is like that, that, um, you know, people notice him and notice not, in, not only him physically, but also uh, his, his, um, his attitudes, his um, behavior, his um, political articulation, uh, but also articulation in general. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's how um, most of the ordinary citizens, I think, got to know him uh, as, as um, one of the political figures in, in the country. He had to navigate very tricky waters within the Socialist Party to remain relevant um, throughout the years. During those years, there was a lot of uh, internal backlash within the Socialist Party and and, um, power struggle between different groups. Uh, Rama, I think, succeeded to, to remain relevant, to be always with a winner, winner, be it one group or the other. And uh, um, immediately after the um, loss of elections in 2005 um, by uh, the Socialist Party, uh, he was, I think, the only candidate that made sense for most of the socialists, but not only, um, to take over the, the leadership of the party. And when you say he became instantly recognizable to people, what do you mean by that? What made him stand out specifically at that time? Who were the people who were his main opponents and why was he special? I, I wouldn't call him like, you know, uh, special, but he was he was uh, uh, unusual, uh, let's say, politician. He spoke with a different language. He acted... Um, on different occasions, like a completely ordinary citizen would act, and I think that's what uh, what attracted uh, most of the people' uh, attention, but also I think also support within the party and and beyond. Um, so there are, if you Google him, you'll find a lot of uh, videos during his uh, time as mayor, uh, where he would go and solve some you know, a trivial problem on his own or when he would go to the standing uh, committee in the parliament and, and uh, hit hard on the, on the benches like, uh, or speak with a megaphone, you know. That's uh, the unusual behavior that is very unusual, not only for a politician, but I think uh, even for an ordinary citizen addressing politics and addressing... Uh, institutions like the parliament, for instance. Um, the groups um, internally, there were, at some point, um, he was an ally with uh, Ilir Meta at that time. Um, but then, of course, they had their, their differences as Ilir Meta decided to found his own party. Ilir Meta, um, who was the prime minister and later president. Yes, yes, in, in yeah, in two in two occasions, um, and um, th- those were very, I think, 
difficult years for anyone who wanted to remain relevant within the Socialist Party, but especially between those two, three groups that uh, were struggling to, to, to get control of the party. And you know that there was a time, um, I think from 2000, late 2003 or from 2004 until 2005, that uh, the government of, social, of, uh, of Fatos Nano was governed uh, with the majority of, of um, deputy ministers. Um, because the ministers uh, had already abandoned and, uh, the, the government in a way, and uh, Fatos Nano didn't have the, the the majority in the parliament to to replace them. So um, it was it was quite um, there were interesting times, I think, but um, there were times that um, required uh, a certain level of skill in order to survive and. Um, I think uh, Rama probably managed uh, also from the position as mayor, because being the mayor of the capital uh, is is uh, probably is probably the the second most important position after the prime minister. <laughs> I mean, in terms of power, or in terms of uh, political support, and in terms of other kind of support that you get from media groups from. Uh, different interest groups um, uh, of the private sector, and uh, so um, yeah, so that was a position he held um, until uh, 2011, uh, when he lost um, against Lulzim Basha in a very disputable or or, or suspicious, uh, let's say, vote count. Um, but then probably that was um, for good because being the leader of the opposition requires uh, all the possible time you have and you don't have to dedicate to, to that goal, to taking over the, the executive branch or winning the national elections, which he eventually did in 2013. And until then, uh, he's still in power. When did the first significant criticism of him as a politician start appearing? When did the first crises occur during his rule? Uh, as regards criticism, I think from the very moment that he entered politics, because he was a very controversial um, uh, personality, and uh, that causes um, a lot of, uh, you know, eyebrows and and um, and people criticizing you um, but over the years especially as mayor of Tirana a lot of um, allegations over corruption and over um, different deals um, were raised in public and non uh, so that's uh, that's where uh, his political opponents starting to you know to hit him. Um, crisis, I think Rama uh, went through crisis in in several times. I mean, uh, uh, the first important crisis I think um, that he eventually, in my opinion, didn't really manage properly was in 2006, where he basically blocked the holding of local elections 
over some claims that uh, he and the socialists had. And it was the first time in history that uh, local elections were postponed until 2007 just to please uh, Rama's um, requests. And um, it was a crisis because um, not only the ruling parties, uh, but even the parties in the opposition um, did not fully justify his um, his requests and uh, the crisis that he caused. Uh, later on, I think um, another big blow that we're still suffering in, in Albania are the 2008 constitutional amendments, which changed the political, uh, the electoral system, uh, provided with much more power uh, to the leader of the party. Uh, versus the, the voter and, and uh, the MPs. And uh, that's, a, that's a crisis that we're still suffering it, um, uh, even 15 years on. Um, and that's uh, a move that provided uh, Berisha at that time another win in 2009 elections. Of course, Rama was not, did not agree uh, he claimed that the elections were stolen. Many argue that the elections, um, Rama simply didn't win the elections. Um, but I guess he learned that, that lecture. So in 2013, he gathered around the Socialist Party a very long list of, of important and non-important parties um, because every vote counted. So he win uh, in coalition with the SMI at that time. Today is the Liberty Party, right? Irmenas Party. Uh, so they win the, the the elections, formed the government together. The first mandate, 2013-2017, was uh, was an interesting mandate in the sense that um, there were some really um, major reforms carried out, including the justice reform. Uh, but it was also the start of many scandals, some of which are still pending and are still uh, uh, in court. Um, for instance, the, 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 the only minister of interior so far jailed um, was uh, on counts that uh, originate from that time. Um, then in 2017, Rama won uh, a mandate uh, on himself, on 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 his own. Uh, he didn't need the support of uh, any other party. So from that time until today, um, until the win uh, that he got last year, um, he's basically ruling or governing the country. Um, with the with the socialist majority, and that's uh, the benefit from the from the from the electoral system. Crisis, other crises. I think uh, the ones that um, Rama himself probably hates the most are those uh, that are um, caused or those that are. Um, instigated somehow by the arrest of his ministers or his uh, party members. Uh, because that's where uh, 
uh, he and his uh, governing is is fully exposed, right? Because um, now we have a justice reform. It is supposed people are supposed to believe that the, the new justice institutions are unbiased, uh, at least those that deal with corruption and organized crime. So he himself doesn't have much arguments to to oppose to. I don't know, to a convinced minister or to another arrested minister like the current one. So um, that's one. But we also need to recognize um, one of the most challenging uh, developments, and that's the 2019 opposition resigning from the institution. That was um, unprecedented in the history of, of institutions in, in Albania. It was, I think it was very difficult, um, not only for institutions, because on one hand, Albania didn't have a constitutional court and a supreme court. And these are two courts that are very important, especially the, the constitutional courts, um, because it's a sort of check and balance instrument that makes sure that at least the behavior, the institutional behavior and the legal um, documents like draft laws and, and, and etc., are in line with, with the constitution and the spirit of the constitution. Um, precisely this um, expectation was destroyed because there was no constitutional court and B, the opposition left the system. So any hope of citizens to to make, you know, to, to hope that the laws are in line with the constitution was, was seriously hampered. Um, and that's, I think, also a challenging uh, time also for the prime minister himself and the, the one that is in charge of the institution. So uh, it wasn't a, an easy time, I think, uh, even for Rama, despite the fact that many of us uh, believe that um, that situation was misused by the, the Rama government to push for some plans and for some projects that um, go against the public interest. You know, one big thing that some people might have heard when it comes to Albania and Edi Rama is that he's been cracking down on independent media. What is it about him that makes him dislike opposing voices so much? Um, well, the truth. I mean, um, that's obviously something that we face every day. Um, but there are different opinions as to whether that happened under, um, um, you know, violence and threat by Rama and the, 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 the government directly? Or was it like a, a sort of um, deal that you just comply with as uh, owner of media um, because that's also profitable for you? Now, it's obvious that... Um, Rama has a very difficult relationship with uh, independent media. He loves the media. He knows the power behind the media. 
um, but he's got a difficult relationship with um, journalists that ask the awkward questions or the tricky questions. Um, so um, there's been a lot of um, discussion, but also uh, when you look at the, the reports measuring the freedom of media or, or press freedom in Albania, there is obviously a, a steady decline uh, for the past seven or eight years. Um, that started, um, well, uh, it's not that it started then, but I think uh, the, the, the fact that the media ownership is um, concentrated uh, has provided an, an easy instrument for people in power, but also for people with, uh, with the media to get into those complex relationships with one another and, um, and, and, and um, basically contribute to what we have today. All national media, all important media are basically um, not serving the expectation from the public. When it comes to people outside of Albania, I think their main impression of Rama is that he's someone who's very cool, shows up in his colorful sneakers, has very colorful ties that he paints himself, and has been in a rap video from what I know. He does play the public quite well, and in my opinion, he's very good at public stunts of all kinds. Some of them, and sometimes you can almost agree with, such as when he criticized the EU recently for yeah. stalling the accession process, calling it a mess. But what would you say is the main discrepancy between how he's seen abroad and how he's seen in Albania? Well, I think, um, I mean, I don't want to accuse anyone, but um, while on one hand, one needs to recognize the, the skills and the, and the whole machinery that Rama has put in place to manage the public image of himself and of his government, um, it is very naive to, to say that, um, you know, this image is the image of somebody that cares about um, public interest and, and, uh, and, and uh, is guided by certain principles like, I don't know, accountability, transparency, um, and, and so on and so forth. The difference would be um, if you dig a deep, a, a bit deeper. So if you look at the surface, yes, Albania looks nice, Rama looks nice. Uh, you've been in Tirana, you know the, the main square. It's it's nice, right? Yeah. But if you ask the difficult questions, like can Albanian economy afford these uh, six towers around that nice square? That's when you will see the, the real face and the real um, performance of, of, um, of Rama and of people in his entourage and in general of people that are in power within this, uh, within this um, uh, let's say, political majority. Because it's not simply a matter of political party, but its interests are go much more beyond the, the, the party itself. Um, 
then if you uh, see the articulation and, and the language Rama uses against the media, from trash beans to all kinds of uh, um, derogatory language that is intended to threaten and to, to scare off uh, uh, journalists. Um, the same would go also for uh, those independent, in, uh, let's say, organizations or, or activists in the civil society. Um, the same would go then uh, also when it comes to, you know, a judiciary that uh, digs in the scandals, in the long list of scandals of uh, Rama's government, as opposed to uh, that part of the judiciary that pays the lip service to, to the government. So um, I think uh, he's definitely very skillful in managing the propaganda, in managing the image, in transmitting uh, whatever he wants. He, he knows how to make use of and, and to exploit different uh, uh, developments not only in the country but also beyond. Uh, I mean, take for instance the the last statement of the UK of the of the British Minister of Interior. He made a big fuss of it. Of course, I mean it's not that there was nothing to, to complain about there, uh, but still, I mean, even in that big debate, people forgot to ask a simple question: Why on earth? Do Albanians live like in the 90s? That's the question that Rama avoided and didn't want to answer. So there must be something, right? Yeah, I mean, for those uninformed, the issue has become quite yeah. popular as a subject, especially in the British media as of late, the supposed wave of immigrants yeah. to the UK coming from yeah. Albania. The main element that makes the difference between uh, those two versions of, of uh, Rama's face are... Um, how deep are you going to dig and uh, are you or anyone is anyone going to to pose the right uh, difficult questions then you will see the true rama just to expand this to a more regional space to me at least it became apparent that rama really started believing he could be a regional leader in addition to being the leader of albania that's when this whole idea of open balkan together with serbian president aleksandar vucic and the macedonian leadership at the time came to the fore the main players there are vucic and rama and a lot can be said about the different energies that both of them bring to the table but it seems like the two have struck a really close friendship would you care to comment on that and also do you think do you think Rama really believes that he could be a regional leader? I think so, uh, although it might be better to, to get that answer from him. But it's interesting to see... Well, I tried. I did ask him that and he was vague. Um, then it's yes. It's a clear yes. Um, so it's interesting to see uh, Rama's development in, in this regard. So in the, let's say, the regional dimension of, of Rama. So... Uh, when he came to power, uh, I think he was desperate to impose himself as the, not only leader of Albania, but also leader of Albanians in the region. And uh, in part also because that was one of the dimensions that uh, um, Sali Berisha uh, had it, and I think for some 
time, probably he might even still have it, um, where Berisha was unchallenged. So if Berisha would go at that time in, in Macedonia or in, in Kosovo, uh, people would go, would take the streets and, uh, and, and greet him like a king. Uh, Rama knew that that was not going to happen for him unless he'd do something. And then what he did was uh, the 2014 uh, visit in, in Belgrade, um, where he pissed off uh, Vucic, uh, if you remember. Um, and, and, uh, yeah. and then he took uh, the way back, uh, driving southern Serbia, I think, and, and Kosovo, uh, where many people waited for him. So he ticked that box, right? Um, but then I think he, he saw a much bigger potential. And that was the potential of being the, if not the regional leader, um, being the one of the most important politicians in the region, not only for the region, mostly for the Westerners. And... Um, I think he saw that potential in the friendship with uh, with Vucic, because after all, it's for the Western Balkan region, um, the the Albanians and and uh, and Serbs are, let's say, are are very important um, communities for peace, for the well-being, for the cooperation, good neighborly relations, and and and, and everything. There are the two largest communities. That's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, for the for the Western Balkans one. So, um, I think he saw he saw that potential and uh, started building in that. Um, I think currently, and that's where he also got the idea again with his friend Vucic for the the Open Balkan. But the Open Balkan, I think there uh, there was also a hidden agenda in the sense that Open Balkan started as mini Schengen and and started at a time when uh, the EU enlargement wasn't doing so fine. Um, and um, it was also an opportunity not only to show the, the potential of the region and the potential of these two leaders, Rama and, and, uh, and Vucic, um, to dominate the region, but it was also an, an opportunity for them to start throwing mud at um, a EU that was not credible anymore, not only according to them, but according to the citizens in the region themselves, and for all kinds of regions, because they were postponing opening of accession negotiations in Albania and Macedonia. They were not giving uh, visa-free regime for Kosovo. Um, they were definitely uh, very, you know, very weak in Bosnia in, in managing uh, developments. And, you know, it, it's it's very easy to, to blame on and to, to attack the EU, uh, at least until a year ago. So um, it, was, it was a nice move from their side to appear both as constructive, but also as powerful, as somebody that is, people perceive it as an autocrat, autocratic leaders, but also as somebody that uh, you need to go to if you want to to maintain peace and stability in the region. Right? So in many ways, he made himself useful in addition to controlling the situation at home when it comes to his relationship with the West, is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. And, and 
that's the only difference between uh, open Balkan and uh, let's take the common regional market. Um, my personal objections against the open Balkan has always been um, the lack of, uh, let's say, rule of law standards incorporated in, in the initiatives, something that uh, you find it in the common regional market. So open Balkan was criticized and is still being criticized with all kinds of arguments, starting from uh, domination of the Serbs, uh, starting with, uh, you know, uh, um, even economic arguments, I don't think those hold because if we as a region plan to go to the Euro, to, to, to become members of the common market and of the European Union, that means that those arguments make no sense because we will integrate into a much bigger uh, market. So um, being afraid of, uh, you know, opening up the borders of your economy is really stupid to 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 put forward as a, as an argument, but uh, the fact that Open Balkan was used as a as a platform to to discredit the European Union and um, as a platform that lacked this um, rule of law, integrity, governance benchmarks, um, that was something that was, um, in my opinion, very obvious. And uh, it, it's, it's something that made me, from the very beginning, uh, dislike the project. But let me ask you, is there anyone who is a significant thorn in his side? People often mention that there's a lot of tension between him and the Prime Minister of Kosovo, Albin Kurti. Do you think that Kurti might be able to, in some way, usurp Rama's popularity in Albania? And does he even want to? And if not Kurti... I mean, is there someone domestically who could maybe prove to be a solid adversary to Rama? Um, those are really very good questions, both of them. Um, from does Kurti want? I don't know, um, but can he now? No. Um, I think uh, the, there was a rivalry between the two, Kurti and Rama, from the very beginning. Um, even before Kurti would take um, the garment. I mean, uh, Rama obviously was in much better uh, relationships with um, the former president of Kosovo, Fachi. And uh, um, so he would rather prefer them as opposed to, I don't know, Haradinaj or even even less so, Kurti. But I don't think the rivalry between the two um, was anything beyond the, this area, Kosovo, Albania. Um, Kurti, I don't think that um, would dream to aim for such a, let's say, high goal as, as Rama. So... We see we're seeing Rama as uh, one of the leaders that is important for the region. You know, um, Kurti not so much, or maybe recently by the uh, maybe a little bit, by, but only by the threat uh, of behaving un unconstructively. Um, but that's a long story. Right, well, that's a different episode. Completely different episode. You're right, and. and I don't feel enough of an expert and, and a connoisseur of, of, the, of the 
domestic politics in in Kosovo or in in, in Serbia that uh, to to allow myself to comment. But domestically, uh, that's another um, constant challenge that we're having in uh, in Albania ever since the 2008 constitutional amendments that I mentioned a bit earlier, uh, because those amendments solidify the the position of the party chief, and not just of any party chief, but especially of the two big important um, parties, the DP and SP. And to their surprise, currently, um, also Ilir Meta's party. Because Meta, after all kinds of attacks, organized and non, uh, he survived politically. He's got a party that has been always uh, having seats in the parliament from the, the very beginning. Um, so, um, you know... Uh, now, coming to, to the current situation, we have uh, a leader of the Socialist Party that is unchallenged within the party. Nobody dares to, to challenge him. Even uh, the mayor of Tirana, who many perceive it as, uh, you know, as, as somebody that uh, will take over the position, uh, none of them um, see that happening without the will of Rama. Uh, the opposition, on the other hand, is in a very difficult position. Uh, on one hand, it's, uh, it's divided internally. So we have a group within the Democratic Party that uh, sides with the former uh, leader and um, another group, the majority of them, that sides with the uh, Berisha as uh, as leader of the party. Then we have also um, some of the small parties chairmen who have different opinions, and you have also Meta uh, and his party who firmly stand behind uh, Berisha. But it's not only that. The problem is that the public is also divided in their opinion. So uh, the Democrats obviously decided that they want Berisha as a leader. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, it's democratic. It's their party. They decide. They vote. Uh, it's, it's all good. The problem is that uh, Democrats have never come to power without uh, getting the votes of those voters that are in between, voters that need to be convinced, voters that... Do not always go out and vote necessarily, you know. But uh, you need to motivate them. And this, in the eyes of these people, neither Berisha nor the former leader uh, uh, Lurzin Basha is a constructive or uh, uh, a good alternative for for the opposition. So the first test it will be next year's elections, local elections. We will see how strong Rama performs and, and where do the opposition stand. Um, but personally, I see this crisis of the opposition, uh, of their lack of offering an alternative, uh, be it programmatic, be it as a leadership, uh, be it as a leadership style. So it's, it's all the same and um, that does not motivate people to go out and, and vote. 
So Rama is, in my opinion, in a rather comfortable position. And that's my final question. Do you think he wants to rule forever? Don't tell me to ask him because again, <laughs> no. I did. And he said something along the lines of, well, if people want me to stay, I'll stay. And if people want me to go, I'll go. And that sounded like, yes, he does plan to rule forever. But you're the expert and you have far more knowledge of Rama. So please, as a final thought, do you think he's planning to eventually upload his brain to a cloud and rule over the country virtually or something to that effect? Well, Albania has been post-communist. Albania is now... Um, how old? Thirty uh, years old? Thirty-two years old? No, thirty-one years old, right? Um, Rama is in power forever in these thirty years. First as a minister from ninety-eight or ninety-seven, no, ninety-eight. Then as mayor of Tirana, the second most powerful uh, uh, official in Albania after the prime minister. Uh, then as leader of the opposition and uh, from 2013 until today as the prime minister of the country. So uh, that's 25 years out of 30. That's pretty much forever. Uh, how long will he stay? Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question too. Uh, the thing is that at least until 2025 uh, elections, I really don't see uh, an opposition that has learned from its mistake and an opposition that can offer anything better. So um, on one hand, you have Ilir Meta party, which is a, a family party. When Before becoming a, a president, he left the party to his wife. He finished the mandate and took over the party from his wife. So that's not very hopeful or constructive for a voter like, um, you know, voters that would make difference uh, to, to in the victory of, of the opposition. On the other hand, you have um, Berisha, who again is not um, a constructive option either because Berisha decided to take over the party when he himself and his family, his son and his daughter, were threatened personally. Um, so choosing between socialist party and two parties that one of is a family party and, and the other party is a party for you know solving your own problems, I don't think Albanians would opt for these last two options. Maybe they would uh, ignore or boycott the elections, but that's uh, something that goes um, in favor of Rama because uh, his electorate is, is very disciplined. So I think it would be more, uh, unless something spectacular happens in the meantime or something very tragic happens, um, politically, I mean, not, not physically. I don't wish uh, bad to, to anyone. Um, I think the, the opposition will stay as it is uh, and uh, everything will depend whether after 2025 the opposition will learn uh, from its mistakes and will decide to choose a leader that 
goes um, that that favors the public interest against the the interest of a family party or a leader that takes care and looks after the Albanians, the ordinary citizens, rather than um, taking after the their their sons and their their daughters who have done wrongdoings to this nation. So, I don't know. It's a very difficult question, but. Um, in a very nutshell, he has been in power forever. <laughs> um, how long will he stay? We'll see. We'll see after 2025, I think. We'll see. You know him well. Yes, and, and uh, managing propaganda machinery. Thank you so much, Georgi, for finding the time to be my guest today. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure discussing this. Sve to sam ja kriv što sam slušao lažne stručnjake i sve moguće strance koji su dolazili u ovu zemlju da mi sole pamet. Milo, lopove! Doću ga si to! Bravo, kreteni! You are a mess, guys. You are a big mess and you are a disgrace. Teško da će iko naći nešto što je vjerodostojno da će mene definirati da nisam Hrvat. Od vremena to pamtim za sebe. Mlade ljude koji odlaze će morati u velikoj meri nadoknati high-tech tehnologijama i robotikom. Šta ti radiš? Eto, malo nešto. Jesi ti mene učio da kad pjevaš gore misliš? Nemaš vremena, mi zbog. Protests will not stop until we achieve our main demand. Obesio bih se ovaj najveći lustar ovde samo zato što sam ih bilo šta slušao.